understand what our purpose is. You know, why are we here? You know, it's a kind of a question that, that we want to ask. You know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And the fact that we have a God that loves us and who has created us, who can give us that purpose, we can answer the question. But to understand our purpose, we've got to find out what does God want from us? You know, what is his command towards us? What does he want from me? If he's the creator and he makes the rules, and I'm his, and he has given, he's adopted me into his family through Jesus Christ, what is he asking of me? Well, Jesus was asked this question when they were trying to you know, kind of trip him up. And he says, what's the greatest commandment? And I'm sure every one of us can recite it, correct? The greatest commandment is to do what? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Everything about you should be towards loving God and serving Him and bringing honor and glory to God the Father. That is what God wants. That's our purpose here in life. Now, what does that look like? What well, can be in many, many different things. But as long as we're bringing honor and glory to God and putting Him first and then making sure that He is a priority in everything that we do, and in all that we do, we look to glorify Him rather than man, then we are loving God. And we are obedient to His Word, as a disciple would be, we are honoring God. But he also goes on to say, and he says, the second is like unto it, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. And he says, basically, he says, upon these two commandments, the entire commandments hang. He's saying, pretty much you've wrapped up all of God's desires and purpose for us in two phrases. Love God and love people. Love God is number one. If you love God, you're going to follow His commandments. And if one of His commandments is to love people, then if you love God, the natural consequence is for you to love people. First and second greatest commandments. Love God and love people as yourself. And actually, that's our church motto. How many of you know our church motto? It's on the website. I mean, I had to look it up too. But it's loving God, loving others, serving both. Okay, everything's just kind of wrapped up. Very general speaking, and, it, and it, it, that can mean a whole wide range of things. It could mean different things for you. It can mean different things of me, depending on where God has individually called us to and the ministries in which he has us to serve. But we also have a purpose. Our purpose is to love God and to love people. So what's the plan look like? How do we do this? What's the blueprint of that? When we turn over to Matthew chapter 28, we see in, um, in verse 19, we see the Great Commission. This is what he wants us to do. As a disciple, we are, to be, we are to outreach. The great commandment, love God and love people, how do we do that? Well, Jesus said, Jesus said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Yes, we are called to make disciples of all nations. If we're going to love God, we are going to obey what He says. And the, biggest, and the Great Commission tells us that we are to go to make disciples of all nations. You know, we're to bring people in. We're to, we, are, we are to evangelize them, bring them in. We bring them and we build them up through discipleship. We train them to use their talents and their personalities to serve God through ministry. That's what we want to, that's what we want to happen. Now, this happens whenever we express our love to God and we love people. If we love God, we're going to do what He says. He says, I want you to evangelize the world, right? I want you to preach the gospel. Tell people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Bring them in, baptize them, and continue to teach them, develop them, make them into disciples. You're a disciple. You're, you're called and you're following me. Therefore, I want you to make more disciples. This is a process that I want you to do. It requires us to, to get out and do, do this. 
And when we love God, we're going to do that. And we're going to love people because what's the best thing for a person to become in this world? A disciple of Jesus Christ. And if we truly love people, we're going to seek to it to see that they come to know Jesus Christ as, a per, as, our, as their personal Savior, but even to not only leave them there at that, but to help develop them and to train them into, um, into disciple-making disciples, into evangelistic, um, gospel-preaching disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the intern thing that we want. The church is a disciple-making machine. That's what we are all supposed to take part in doing. We are disciple-making is disciple-making and disciple-making. This morning, I want us to focus, focus on the importance of outreach, the importance of evangelism and making disciples, the outreach of a disciple. This is vital to the health of, and growth of the church, not only to the health and growth of the body as a whole worldwide, but also First Baptist Church in Malvern. This is very, very vital. It's very critical for us to take um, evangelism and to take outreach very seriously. You know, in a, recent, in a recent survey of church members, you know what 89% of the people said the church was to do? Get this. 89% of church, peop- of church members stated that the purpose of the church was to meet the needs of me and my family. Is that accurate? A lot of people think that. Because a lot of times whenever people are looking for a place to go to church, what are they looking for? They're looking for something that the church can in turn give them and their children. They're looking to get something out of it rather than looking for a place they can serve. Does that make sense? But I want you to understand that it is important for us as a church congregation to have ministries and programs that will um, help develop younger people. Yes, and, and I, I would agree that, you know, I would like for, for my children to go to a church where they're discipling him. You know, I would like to see that. And turning him into a disciple, which he will in turn make more disciples. I'm looking for that cycle to happen. And, and, and looking for those things is not a bad thing. And desiring to have those things within our church. But the, if the priority of coming to church is to fulfill your own needs and to get what you can get out of it, then we're looking at it wrong. Only 11% of church members say, that's six, okay, 11% of all church members say that the church is supposed to be about reaching the lost for Christ. If this is your thought process, we need to go back a couple weeks and we need to renew our mind and our thought process and to change our way of thinking because church is not about what you get out of it. The body of Christ, you've been brought into the body of Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ in order to be a disciple and to serve Jesus. We look to do what we can do to serve Christ by serving others. That's the, that's the mindset of a disciple. That's what changes. That's, that's, the, that's the switch that should change. Now, Jesus personally gave us this, the, the greatest commandment. And he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he backed that up a few chapters later. And he gave us the great commission. And this should, this should really motivate us as a church body that we should reach out to the world if we're going to remain healthy and grow. If there's no outreach, this, I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves that there's just not going to be any growth. And I need growth because I'm a pastor. And I like to inflate numbers when I talk to my other pastor friends. So we have to really think about this. It's important, okay? I need numbers to inflate. Not really. 
But we must be willing to help people understand the saving power of the blood of Jesus Christ to bring him into a right relationship so the church will grow, and not just for a number's sake, but for heaven's sake, for their sake, for the people's sake, for their eternity. That's the focus that we need to have. It's not about what I can get out of it. Once you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are now put into the army of Christ to go work. That's what we need to be focused on. How can we do work for the kingdom of God? How can we minister to people? How can we love God and minister to people? Man, I want you to understand and hear me very clearly. If a church does not reach out, then she will become very self-centered and maintenance-minded. Eventually, she will stop growing and die. You have to be very careful here. Because we do not want to become self-centered where our ministries are focused inwardly rather than to the lost and dying world on the outside. We don't want to become maintenance-minded. And a lot of churches are in that position where they're just trying to stay afloat. Okay, just trying to make it through the next month and just try to, try to just, as they, as they go by, just to continue where they are. They don't have a focus on growing. They don't have a focus on really reaching the community, but just basically staying alive. They're on life support. We don't want to be that. We want to have an outreach-focused mentality. We want to have the mentality that Jesus Christ had for us whenever he said, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. We must really get involved with outreach. Now, this morning, I want us to take a look, specifically talking about outreach. This morning, I want to give you three reasons, not necessarily the how we are to outreach, but the reasons why we should do outreach, why we should be about um, about people on the outside rather than being self-centered and maintenance-minded. And the very first thing is, is because God loves people. God loves people. And if God loves people, his children should in turn do what? They love people. Even the unlovable ones, right? And remember, love is not about what you like or who you like. But it's rather rather making a choice to do what's good for that other person, whether you like them or not. Okay, that's what love truly is. It's, It's unconditional. And we get that example through what Jesus Christ did for us. Now, were we very likable? No. In that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. No, we were, we were the ones who were being unfaithful to him. We've gone against him. We've gone our own way. We were sinful against him. We didn't want to have anything to do with him or his lifestyle. But in that, while we were these, these wretched, lost people, he still looked down and said, I, I love you so much. I, I, I don't want to live without you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for your sin debt, even though we are not so likable. But he loved us. And the reason why we should be concerned with outreach and winning people for Christ and winning the world to Christ is because God loves those people too. He doesn't love you anymore just because you chose him whenever he spoke to your heart. Jesus loves you as much as anybody else, and he showed, and he showed that when he paid the same price for everyone, the same price he paid for you. So we have to have an understanding that this is what God wants. He loves people. That's why we should be concerned with outreach. God is concerned with outreach. And we can see that in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, like some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. Now, this is, a, this is a very very thing. He says that He is not willing that any should perish, but He is willing that all should come to repentance. He doesn't have any, he doesn't have any favorites. He doesn't just pick and choose. But the blood of Jesus Christ paid the sin debt for, for mankind worldwide, past, present, and future, and He's not willing that anybody should perish. Not willing that anybody should die and spend an eternity in hell. His perfect will for every single person is to trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior so they can have their sins forgiven and they can live with Him for an eternity. God loves people. 
God loves people and He wants everyone saved. You know, we're given the opportunity in this life and in this life only to repent and to trust in Jesus Christ. This life is all we have. Once we close our eyes in death on this side, it's set in stone. Your eternity is set and your destiny is set in stone. But think about this for a moment. You know, there, are, there, are, there are those out there who fit this illustration quite well. But think, of a, think if you were on a, on a trip across the ocean and the, the ship began to sink. Okay, who's thinking of the Titanic? Nobody. <laughs> That's what I thought about. Okay, it's just, a, it's just a ship. Okay, say it's sinking in the middle of the ocean. You're 2,000 miles away from the closest piece of land. It's going down, and you, you see people, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of bobbing up and down in the waves, and, and it's just a really life-or-death situation. Then all of a sudden, you have a lifeboat that comes through, starts driving through the middle. You know, you have an opportunity to climb on the boat. You have someone there who's actually went through the effort to bring the, life, the lifeboat, and he's trying to drag you on. Now, how crazy would it be for someone to say, Never mind, I don't need your help. I can get there on my own because it's only about 2,000 miles to shore. I got this. I mean, how crazy and insane is that? But also how big of a jump is it for someone to say, you know what, I think I can get to heaven on my own. My good just needs to outweigh my bad. Therefore, God will see my heart. He'll understand my desire. I'll try to do everything I possibly could. But then whenever you get to see him on judgment day, he will say, turn from me. I never knew you. As crazy as it may seem for someone who not to climb on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean, it's even a crazier thought for them not to trust in Jesus Christ during this life. Now, I hope that everyone here has truly trusted in Jesus. And going along with that premise, this is where I want to go. You know, it would be absolutely, you know, um, we wouldn't think that person would be thinking sanely. But let me ask you, let's flip, let's flip this thing for a second. Let's say you were on the lifeboat. And someone wants to say to you, I'm good. No, you're good. You do you. You do me. I'm just going to swim to the bank. What would your reaction to the person in the water be? Would you say, I'm sorry, man. Cool. I don't want, I don't want to offend you. No, say, man, you're, dude, you're crazy. Grab this lifeboat. It's 2,000 miles to the shore. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. You're going to drown in this water, and you're going to be fish food. Get in this boat. And if he continued to resist, I'm looking to knock the guy out, and I'm going to drag him in. All right. I'm going to do everything I can to keep that guy from dying physically right there. Now, we have an importance. Whenever it comes to outreach, God loves people. You know, we must give great effort whenever it comes to preaching the gospel. Because whenever we, we, we encounter people from a day-to-day basis, we need to really focus in on, on why, why we are still here. You know, we're here to love people, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things that Jesus had taught. We need to make sure that is our priority. But whenever, whenever we're talking to people, and they say, no, I'm good, you know, I don't have anything to do with you. No, don't talk to me about that Jesus stuff. I mean, honestly, and how many times do we not even mention it because we're fear, we fear the rejection? But we, we need to see, instead of people bobbing, in the waves of the ocean, we need to imagine these people bobbing in the lake of fire for an eternity. We need to drag them onto the lifeboat. If any of our friends or any of our families or any of the people that we encounter, if they're going to go to hell, they need to be going to hell over our dead and beat down bodies. We need to do everything that we possibly can 
for them to, to possibly come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to preach the gospel. We have to be able to be willing to share because that's what God was. God loves them so much that he did die. He sent Jesus to die on the cross, and his love was displayed for all people. And because God loves people, we need to be concerned with outreach. We need to give the effort to reach out to the lost and dying world. And even though some may not want to hear it, we still need to be faithful in sharing the love of Christ. Even though somebody may offend you or somebody even is your enemy, you know, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We don't love our neighbor as though they're our enemies. No, we, we don't treat them as our enemies, but we love them as Christ loved. And Christ gave his life unconditionally, offering us a free gift if, for those who would trust in him. God loves people, and that's the number one reason why we should be concerned with reaching the world. It's because that's what God wants. That's what he desires. And the second, secondly, not only is that what God desires and the fact that God loves people and we should in turn love people, and if we truly love people, then we're going to tell them the truth. And if we tell them the truth, not only because God loves them, but secondly, because Jesus commands it. Jesus commands us to reach out. In Luke chapter 14 and 23, it says, The master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. This is an illustration that Jesus was using about a, about a ruler who had made this supper and he invited people to come in. And they said, well, I got all this stuff to do. I got married. I bought cows. I bought this land. I, I don't really have time for it. And then the, serv- and then the, um, the, the, the master of the house, he said, yeah, what I need you to do, I need you to go out to the highways and the hedges. I need you to compel people to come in. Compel is a very strong word. It's almost a forcibly thing. We need to make sure that we're putting an extreme effort to bring people into the house of God. Bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ by sharing the truth of the gospel to them. Allowing them to see themselves for who they truly are, sinners in need of a Savior. The most loving thing that you can do to somebody is to tell them the truth. I don't care what it is. It's not loving for a doctor to not tell the truth about a patient if they're about to die, is it? Or if there's, a cure for their, if there's a cure for their disease and then he refuses to tell the patient about the cure. Or if he refuses to tell the, the patient about their disease, period. That's a horrible doctor. As a friend, as a family member, as just a coincidence or a co-worker. How horrible is it us for us to not tell the truth about the saving grace of Jesus Christ? A lot of times we don't have a problem telling them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ and in generalization. But we're not loving enough to say, you are in need of a Savior, just as I am. You've sinned against the God of the Bible. You've broken, broken the commands of God, and because of that, you deserve hell for an eternity. That's the most loving thing that you can say to somebody, is to bring them to an understanding that they need Jesus Christ. Explain to them that Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. If we love God, that's what we're going to do. But Jesus Christ commands this to happen. He says, compel them to go out. He says, compel them to come into that my house may be filled. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. We are to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. That is our number one calling is to make disciples of all nations. And on top of that, again, he tells us to go and make disciples. Disciples, Jesus Christ commands this of me. 
Now, how many times do we read over our Bibles? How many times do we read over our devotionals in our, in our private times or even in Sunday school class? And we're, and we're reading through, through the Bible, and, um, and we come across these commands, and we don't really even ask ourselves, is God demanding this of me? I mean, pray without ceasing. You know, be joyful always. Go and make disciples. I mean, truly, these are, these are not just suggestions. Okay, if we're, if, we're going to, if we're going to preserve the health and the growth of the body of Christ throughout the entire world, it requires us to be obedient to the plan that God has set out for us. I mean, honestly and truly, we have got to do what He says. He is demanding this of us. The health and the growth of the body of Christ demands it. The size of the harvest that we give Him whenever He comes back depends upon it. We must have an understanding that we are to go out and compel people to come into his house. Go and make disciples. And as a true follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple who wants to do what Christ has um, called us to do, if we want to be obedient to him, we have to obey his commands. Jesus said, and Jesus said um, uh, why, do you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not obey? It's a good question that we should ask ourselves. Are we truly being obedient to Christ and His calling in our lives to be disciple-makers, to, to sharing the gospel to the lost and dying world? Jesus truly commands us to do this. Now, we're to take part in bringing people in, going out and sharing the gospel, bringing them in. We need to build them up. We need to train them up. And we also send them out. How many of y'all have ever been part of a multi-level marketing company, not to taint the work of the, the work of the Lord. That's really how it should work. You know, I mean, how fast, I mean, how fast can things multiply? Really, really quickly, right? You, you get saved, you get discipled, then you turn and you start discipling a couple, then they turn and they start discipling a couple, and the compounding interest on that is unnumberable. You know, we have a, you know, we have a church of, um, of 120 on average on Sunday morning. You know, if we could all get one person a week, I mean, how incredible would that be? I mean, we could double. We could double it if we just get one extra person a week. You know, and with, the, with the large effort of First Baptist Church. The thing about it is what I want you to, want you to understand, the importance of outreach is seen because God loves people, but also Jesus is commanding us to do it. And remember, it's not just for the sake of numbers. I really, honestly, I don't care about numbers as long as people are coming to Christ, as long as people are being discipled, as long as we are doing what God has called us to do, as long as you are answering the ministry to which God has called you to be. That's what I'm, that's what I'm concerned with. And I believe with that, numbers will come. Which brings me to my third point. The third reason that we should be concerned with outreach is because, God, is because God's will is for the church to grow. He didn't send His Son, Jesus Christ, just to die for a few. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for many, for all. And He wants more and more people. In 2 Peter 3, 9, what did we see? Is not, the, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise like some men count slackness, but He is long-suffering to usward. He is patient with you. What? Not willing that any should perish. So why is He being patient? Why has He not come back? Why has He not returned yet? Because he's being patient and he's wanting you to trust in him. The longer he can wait, the more people can come to him as a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The longer he waits. And it's, I believe it's God's will for the church to grow. Let me get back to my spot here. 
In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. There's no question that God wants the church to grow. Now listen to just a few of these in the, in the book of Acts. There are so many. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Those who embraced this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the believers that day. Acts 4.4 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Yet more and more believers were brought to the Lord, large numbers, both men and women. Chapter 6 and verse 1, in those days when the disciples were increasing in numbers. Acts 6, 7, so the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem grew rapidly. Acts 9, 31, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria experienced a time of peace it grew in strength and number just over and over and over again. You saw the church growing like wildfire in the book of Acts during the early church fathers and also in some of the most hostile environments towards Christians. They exploded, grew, exponentially grew. And God wants church growth. He wants us to grow he wants us to grow and to develop into, into fearless followers of Jesus Christ. He wants us to make an impact in the world, not just for the sake of growing church, but the fact that people will come to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. That is why we're here. And outreach is so important. How many of y'all have ever heard of the little store called Walmart? Yeah, it's a little small shop. You guys have one here in Malvern. Now, Walmart, there's a story about that. There's something interesting about Sam Walton. He's the founder of Walmart. He had one vision. He had one goal. And that vision was to capture the consumer market of America. That was his goal. But let me ask you real quick. How many of you have ever been to Walmart? Anybody? Y'all have heard about it, right? Right. Now his goal was to capture the consumer market of America. But now Sam's vision has changed, or the vision of Walmart. They're looking to capture the entire consumer market of the entire world. Amazon's giving them a little bit of a fit, but however, I'm using Walmart as my illustration. You know, in, um, whenever he opened his first store in 1962 here in Arkansas, and five years later he had 24 stores in Arkansas, 24, and in that year, his sales reached $12.6 million in five years in the 70s, or no, excuse me, it's the 60s, right? Incredible vision, incredible work. By 2005, he had reached sales of $312 billion with 3,200 stores in America and just that many around the entire world. It took work, it took hard effort, it took long hours, but just look at the results that you have. Look at the empire of Walmart and Sam's. I mean, it's impacted everyone in this room, right? You've, I mean, you've, you've been impacted by Sam's vision that, he, that, that was done about 50 years ago. I also want you to understand God has a vision. God has a plan, and he has a strategy for his church. In case you missed it, here it is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things that I have taught you. That's his plan. That's his purpose for the church. 
God's desire is for His church to grow. So then the question, how large will the church grow? How strong will it ever get? Well, only God knows that for certain, but that's really not my concern. I really, it's, not, it's not what I'm really about, so it's not what we're supposed to be about, but our place in this world is to tell people about Him. That's our place. Now, God's vision, whenever He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, is that all would be saved. That was His perfect will for everyone in this world. We understand that people will reject Christ. It's going to happen. People will spend eternity in hell because of their rejection. But His plan and purpose was for everyone to be saved. It's not our job to grow the church. I'm not saying that. That's what God does. Our job is to share the transforming story of Jesus Christ to those around us. And there's many different ways and different methods that we can do that. We can gather a crowd. We can share the gospel. We just have to make sure that we're faithful to the one thing that he's called us to do, and that's to make disciples of all nations. So in conclusion this morning, you know, where does this outreach take place? I mean, where, where, where is this supposed to happen? What's it supposed to look like? Well, here's an insight for you. And as, as trite as it may sound, you're already in that place. You're already there. You know, it's said by many, many people that you are already living in your uh, mission field. And as cliche as it is, you know, once you step out these doors, you're in your mission field. It's cliche, but it's true. It is true. Where you are now is where God has placed you to serve Him to your fullest ability. You know, most of us will never be called to the foreign mission fields. Most of us will not. That's just the reality of it. And some of you may, but you're here now. We are here now. We're in Malvern, and I believe that God expects us to be proper ambassadors for Him while we are here in Malvern. God has called us to do a great work here. Obviously, we're not finished because Malvern is not evangelized completely. Everyone's not serving Christ, and everyone's not a follower of Jesus. Everyone is not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. So, therefore, we still have our work to do, and therefore, we, in a, we, are, in a, we are in an environment that is in need of disciples of Jesus Christ. But throughout the entire world, you know, we're surrounded by Christians and non-Christians every day. Some know Jesus and some do not. But in this sense, because that's the way it is in, in the entire world, America is no different than India, China, Mexico, Africa, and Malvern is certainly no exception. There are people who need Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and we're going to do what God has called us to do, we must for certain be involved in reaching out to the lost and dying world around us. One, because God loves people. Two, Jesus commands us to do it. And three, it's God's desire for his church to grow. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for this day and this time of worship that we've had for you. God, I pray that you would just help us to see this world through your eyes. Father, we pray that you would lay the desires that you have on our hearts. May we see this world as one who desperately needs you, Father. May we see the responsibility that we have that you've given us through the great commission of going and making disciples of all nations. Father, we pray that you would show us our part in Malvern here at First Baptist. Show us where you would have us to put our efforts and our resources. Father, we want to be nothing less than honoring and glorifying to you to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for a quick hymn of invitation. You can silently pray where you are. You can do business with the Lord here on the altar. We won't have any vocals this morning, but just take this time to reflect on what you've heard from the Lord this morning. What's up, buddy?